0: We have started a number of research projects to try to see whether there are links to try and get some you know, hard data on um, the possible links between climate change and epilepsy.
1: This week, we are talking with neurologist Sanjay Sisodia from UCL about climate change and epilepsy. Now, although we will be speaking of positive actions to take, we will also be speaking of the negative impacts and threats of climate change to people affected by the epilepsies. So, if that is something that is upsetting or triggering for you, then please do stop listening, watching now, and instead tune in next week. So, many of us haven't thought about it, but rising temperatures and extreme weather events can lead to seizures in many people. Samir will provide us with a great example of how damages to infrastructure and physical displacement which can be caused by climate change can lead to an increase in seizures. Global warming is providing many diseases with the opportunity to expand their reach and some of these diseases can lead to an epilepsy. Just witnessing this and feeling powerless about climate change causes anxiety and depression in many of us. But Sanjay will tell us how we can contribute to positively change things personally, cumulatively, locally and literally globally.
0: I'm an adult neurologist practising at the National Hospital of Neurology and Neurosurgery and a Professor of Neurology at University College London.
1: Today our talk really is going to be about climate change um, and the impact upon not solely people affected by the epilepsies, although largely, but also the world and um, what we need to be aware of and what we can do, um, etc. Could you uh, give us an intro into your work in this area, please? And what led you to it?
0: So I should start by saying, obviously, that I am an adult neurologist, uh, and I'm a neurologist by training. I'm not a climate scientist. Um, So, you know, I can't speak with expertise about the facts around climate change is not where I've been researching. But obviously, this is an area of interest to me, and I think of importance to us all. Um, My journey to this point really happened because of a long-standing interest in sustainability and the environment. But that's really just something that I've done privately, not as part of my professional life. But then in my professional life, um, I see many people who've got difficult to treat epilepsies, uh, including people whose epilepsy is due to a genetic change. Uh, And often, as you may know, those sorts of epilepsies may be associated with other difficulties, uh, intellectual difficulties, and a lot of other comorbidities. And families were reporting that um, the people they uh, um, looked after with these conditions seemed in some cases to have more seizures around the time of the heat waves that we've had in this country over the last few years, Um, and also reported that some other features associated with their epilepsies were also worse around the time of heat waves. And I guess this has become, because heat waves have become more marked and more common over the last few years in this country, it became more of a thing that I was beginning to hear about in clinic. And so then the, the penny finally dropped. You know, I was thinking, well, that I'm concerned about climate change. And here I'm hearing now that in my professional life, um, that climate change is having an effect on at least some people with epilepsy. I don't know if it's going to have an effect directly and soon on everybody with epilepsy, but certainly some people with epilepsy. So I put the two together um, and began to think whether there might be a link.
1: Yeah. And um, so have you been involved in any research regarding climate change and epilepsy?
0: Yes. From that very first sort of um, realization that, you know, maybe we should be thinking about this, I got in touch with some colleagues, really just to sort of test out the idea. Um, and what was interesting was that uh, almost everybody I got in touch with hadn't really thought about this, just as I hadn't thought about it. But then when they did think about it, it seemed obvious to them that there was likely to be a link. So we formed this group called Epilepsy Climate Change, which is just a group of, um, of people involved with epilepsy, um, you know, uh, clinicians, um, people with support, working support groups, industry and so on, who are interested in this area. And so we've been starting to think about how we can look into this further, to raise awareness about it and promote research. Um, And we have started a number of research projects, both um, in the UK and internationally, to try to see whether there are links to try and get some you know hard data on um, the possible links between climate change and epilepsy. I think some of these are, are really um, obvious, I think, and others we need to do more work into to try and get the information that we
1: need. I was talking to somebody actually about uh, climate change and epilepsy just last night in anticipation of our call and... Um he had never thought about how climate change could pretty much directly affect the people affected by epilepsy. And I said, it's it's not, it, it's perhaps might seem subtle to some people, but like, if it's too hot, I can't sleep. And if I can't sleep, I'm going to have a seizure. Things like that, right? Yes. Um, and I, it's such a, a simple thing. But unless yes. you really think about it, I think it's, yeah. Um, and then if I was talking to somebody else, a clinician, in fact, about how climate change is going to lead to, you know, more flooding and stuff and displacement of people, um, perhaps not in the UK. But then if you've got displacement of people, then they don't have access to their medications, if they had it anyway. And then they're more likely to have seizures.
0: Exactly, exactly. So actually, once you start thinking about it, some of the effects are obvious and direct um, and don't necessarily relate nec- you know, to, to the biology of the epilepsy, but actually to simple things like supply chains. So an example of this is not directly related to climate change, obviously, but it's an example in the earthquake that took place in Japan um, that led to the Fukushima nuclear disaster. There was some uh, work done around there which showed how supply chains obviously were disrupted by the earthquake, you know roads that were sliced through and bridges that collapsed and so on. And so that meant that obviously drugs couldn't be delivered. Um, and this will affect many people who are on medication for whatever condition, but that will include people with epilepsy. And we know, of course, that you know interrupting drug supply for people with epilepsy is not a good thing uh, and can have serious consequences. So I think some effects like that, and as you've mentioned, sleep. You know, sleep has been actually quite well investigated with respect to nighttime temperatures and one of the things that we see with climate change is that nighttime temperatures may be especially troublesome because they elevation of nighttime temperatures exactly as you say affects sleep and there's quite good work around this showing the sort of the de- degree to which each small rise in temperature can affect sleep for a significant proportion of people and as you said for some people with epilepsy not getting enough sleep leads to more seizures
1: and even if say you don't get um, you don't trigger a seizure through lack of sleep if you have lack of sleep you get more stressed and you're in bad mood and that stress can additionally or anxiety can cause seizures so it is like a sort of almost like a oh what do you call it thing where, where it
0: amplifies the effects doesn't it so
1: that's it and amplified yes exactly one thing leads to another leads to another yes if
0: you think about what's happening you know the climate is what we live in it's Affects everything we do. Our entire lives are structured around an expectation that the climate is in a certain way. So, for example, most houses in the UK, at least over long periods of time, haven't had air conditioning because that's not what we've needed. And they're built to withstand particular types of weather. If we now change that, if we change the very setting in which we live our lives, it shouldn't be a surprise that it will disrupt our lives. And obviously, if you have a pre-existing problem, whether that's epilepsy or some other health condition, it's going to make adapting to that more difficult.
1: Yes. And we can't quickly adapt. I I almost wish, gosh, could evolution not hurry, <laughs> hurry itself up? But it's, you know, uh, but, you know, we shouldn't expect the world to change for us, right? I think... What, well, what could you recommend to us? What do we need to do as, as, as uh, you know, as Homo sapiens, but um, and also as people affected by the epilepsies? I guess two groups but merge, What do we do?
0: Yeah, so I think there are a few things. Um, obviously, you know, big steps need to be taken, and those steps need to be taken by our governments. That's I think very clear. We can't, you know, we can't do the really big steps, but we can all contribute, and each of us contributing, I think, can make a difference. So. You know, we can all raise awareness. That in itself is important um, because that then leads to action. Um, We can think about taking action uh, and each of us can do things. There are lots of resources now out there which enable you to um, measure your carbon footprint and which can help to show you which aspects of your life you could adjust to try to um, reduce your, your own particular carbon emissions. And that way, I think we can all contribute, and that makes a difference. But we can also, you know, we can can represent our concerns um, to people who can then take those to government. So, for example, you can represent your concerns to your MP. um, And um, at the hospital, I try to promote, and the the institute where I work, I try to promote awareness of these issues um, so that people do begin to think about them more. And if we all think about them more, then that necessarily, I hope, will lead To change, So these are all things that we can we can do.
1: So I think it's not about just protecting ourselves or the one we love, but it's actually kind of as cheesy as it might sound as, you know, the country and the world. There are going to be people overseas. Well, we know there are, of course, people overseas and and nationally who have the epilepsies, but also there are going to be people in the future who are affected and are likely to be affected more um, aggressively or more significantly than us if things don't start to slow down at least
0: i think it's an accident of geography in a way um that you know to a degree we've seen relatively minor changes uh in the uk so far And us say i'm not a climate scientist so you know i can't quantify these things but we can see that there are much more dramatic changes happening um in many places across the world um, where there are you know extensive droughts or flooding on the other hand Um, uh, you know, and, and, and the impacts of climate change in some places in the world are being felt much more now. We know that some island nations, their very existence is threatened. So if you live there with epilepsy, it's going to be even more of a challenge.
1: I've been worried about sort of bringing this topic up in the podcast for a while because it is frightening um, for many, many people, and literally leading, you know, to proper anxiety issues and worries. I I experience it actually myself personally, not to the nth degree, but I do think about it a lot and every day, and it's affected my choices in life. And so I think what's really important is that people, you know, do remember what you have just said, Sanjay, and that is that there are things that we can do productively. Exactly. Yes to minimize our own risk, but to um, make change for the rest of the world, for our communities but also and our countries but and the world. so have your say like your what pe- people who are listening, whether you be a clinician, whether you be a patient, whether you know you be a carer, your voice matters and I think we can speak for each other there um, and let's just all have our voice and put the pressure where it's needed on the politicians required, would you say?
0: Yes, I think that's right, and I think it's um, you know uh, anxiety about climate change is widespread. I think you know we've seen that, for example, with some of the protests that have happened this this week. People are concerned, and actually, if you sit and think about it, it is concerning. It is frightening. I think, Um, and of course, you know the aim of, of discussing these things is not to frighten people, but on the other hand. Of course, many people with epilepsy live with the difficulties associated with the epilepsy and with the risks associated with seizures. And we are uh, used to talking about these things. And I see many people with epilepsy, you know, coping with quite difficult problems. Um, and it's always humbling to see how people deal with the concerns and the risks. And in a sense, you know, I think we can all learn from how people cope with that. Uh, and we can learn also about how we can cope with climate anxiety. And one of the things that I think that people are thinking is actually exactly as you say, that taking action, doing something helps with that. None of us individually are going to solve this problem, but together if we all do something Then I think we can begin to make a difference.
1: Just as it's getting uh, cooler here in the UK now, um, you know, Maybe put on a jumper instead of putting on the heating if you can. Or put on an extra pair of gorgeous socks, you know, again, instead of putting the heating on. I mean, obviously, everyone's got
0: to do what's what's right for them, obviously, you know, what's right for one person, work for another person. Um, but yes, I think, you know, we can all think at least about what we can do and whether some of the things that you've just mentioned might be something that works for people. And it's difficult, of course, because also there's obviously the cost of living crisis, which, you know, adds to this. Um, But sometimes you can put the two together and actually that can help, you know, in a way to, to, to contribute to something for both of those
1: problems do you know what I, I went out the other day on, on a crazy walk I was trying to relieve a bit of stress and um and I got really hot and I and I came back home and I was like goodness I don't need to use any heating tonight because I'm flipping boiling and I got and I got a few k in well maybe not I think it was actually about five six k and it's like okay two birds with one stone and you know it's not going to happen all the time, but. That sometimes these things, you know, that my walk was good for global warming, if you look at it, you know, from that angle. Yes, yes.
0: And, you know, there are all sorts of things that we can do. As we've discussed, some things may be right for some people and some things may not suit other people.
1: Of course, some people aren't able. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And I think yeah. the thing
0: is to think about it, really, to think about um, how you can make a difference. Um, Uh, And that can be in many different ways.
1: Yeah, and sometimes I think if you're not physically able to, say, go go for a walk, or if you're not able to make key decisions of, you know, your home environment, sometimes just talking about these things and having conversation, I think, with other people about what's going on, not in an aggressive way, not in a, like, let's scare the living daylights out of people way, but just talking about it because it's something that we all need to deal with for our own sake, as well as those of others.
0: And one of the things, for example, we're doing is looking at what happens in residential care, because of course there are some people um, who have epilepsy, which for various reasons is is, um, difficult to manage in a home setting and so may have to live in, in residential care. Um, and there are lots of aspects of this that we can think about. So, for example, some of the work that we've been doing, and this is early work, obviously we need to do more of this, but some of the work that we've been doing shows that actually temperatures in many residential care settings are, are probably higher than we might have at home. And, of course, there may be important reasons for that, but sometimes you know that's just because it hasn't been thought about it right. hasn't been discussed. And sometimes we're seeing that carers are reporting that it's too hot for the work environment. Um, and, you know, that's something to think about. It's not that we can all automatically say, yes, let's all go around reducing the temperatures, but it should at least be thought about. I think.
1: Really interesting ways of just looking at life from a different angle, right? Things that we'd never thought of before. If people would like to learn more about what we've been speaking of and more about your work in this um, in this field, Sanjay, what should they do?
0: I think probably the first place to start would be to um, search for epilepsy climate change uh, if you have access to the internet. And then you'll come across hopefully some um, resources on the Epilepsy Society website where we've got um, some uh, information about this. And we've got, for example... Um, recordings of the virtual conference that we held in November last year about epilepsy and climate change. And I think that's a, that's a reasonable place to start.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Sanjay. Um, you've made actually talking about such a awful thing, um, an interesting thing and a pleasure. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much to Sanjay for educating us on the impact of climate change for those affected by the epilepsies. Do subscribe to the channel if you haven't already to make sure that you don't miss our future episodes. And if you did enjoy this episode or if you found it educational, maybe, then please do share it with your friends, family and colleagues because it really helps to get our messages about the epilepsies out there to the masses.